You may be seated. Um, very excited about tonight. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. I would be, you know, want to know what though? I think I would be a little bit more excited if we brought this guy section in a little bit more um, and scooted up and got a little bit closer together because Riley is five rows back. Um, and there's nobody on this front row, but you know what? Except, <laughs> okay, what I meant was there's no girls on this front row. But there is Zod on this front row, and that's all I need. And Emily's coming. Um, yeah, bring it in a little bit. Will, I'm happy to see you. Okay, like Morgan said, we're going to talk about blood covenant. Amen? Um, not something that we talk about a lot on Wednesdays. Not a term that we throw around all that much. Um, because it's one of those terms, it's like one of those Christian terms where if you don't know what it means, then it makes you sound like a cult whenever you say it. Like you're just talking to your friends at school and you're like, yeah, come on down to the quarry Wednesday for like Blood Covenant series. And they're like, oh, you're for sure going to eat me if I show up. So I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so it's like not, not one of those terms that we just throw around. But once you understand what it means and you understand the importance of it, it's something that will really help you a lot. And so that's why I'm going to talk about it is so that we do have an understanding of it. And it's not just one of those bizarre things that maybe we would hear like Dr. Jacobs say one time and we were like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's Dr. Jacobs, so I'm not going to question it, but also what does that mean? Um, it's something, like I said, that's very important to our everyday lives, and once we understand it, we can um, really start living a, a better life and a more full life and a life that God wants us to live. So to start off, we're going to read a couple of scriptures. Anybody have their Bible with them? Say amen. amen. Awesome. Okay, we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26, it's up here if you don't have your Bible, uh, it says, as they were eating, and this is, um, many of you are familiar with uh, the Last Supper, Jesus is with his disciples and he's about to go to the cross and be crucified, so he's sitting there eating, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Again, if you're coming into this without a lot of context, it's a weird passage of scripture. Jesus is like, ah, eat me, drink my blood. And his disciples are like just chilling at the table and acting like it's regular. Um, but that's why it's important for us to understand, because his disciples understood what he was saying when he talked about covenant and when we understand uh what he's saying then we can more fully understand it and i'm going to read uh one more scripture in john 6 uh john chapter 6 verse 53 <clears throat> it says jesus said again i tell you the truth unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you cannot have eternal life without it so we see jesus is talking about uh this covenant ceremony and he's putting a lot of importance on it he's saying without eating my flesh and drinking my blood. You can't have eternal life. You can't have salvation and forgiveness of your sins, which is uh, the entire basis of our walk with God today. Our entire salvation is based on um, this blood covenant that we see Jesus talking about. And so we really want to kind of dive into covenant and um, understand it very well so that we, we understand what Jesus is talking about here. Um, once we fully understand how God operates through covenant and how he uses covenant. And we're going to look at some um, examples in the Old Testament, some covenants 
um, even the Bible, you know, is broken up into the Old Testament and the New Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So the New Covenant is what we're living under today. But when we look at the Old Covenant, then we can gain a fuller picture and understanding of what covenant is and what it means. I feel like I've said the word covenant 1000 times already, but that's what the message is called. So it's going to keep happening. Um, so we're going to look a little bit at some historical context, um, really figure out what covenant means. And then next week, we're going to talk about the new covenant and what it means for us today. Amen. All right. So all throughout the Bible, we see God making covenants with people. And this is how God operates. God is a covenant God. And um, like I said, there's quite a few that he makes uh, in the Bible that we're going to look at. But the reason that he uses covenants is because a covenant is such a strong bond and it's such a strong oath that when he makes a covenant, we are able to have 100% confidence and faith that he means what he says and that he says that he's going to end up, he's going to hold up his end of the bargain. He's going to hold up his side of the covenant. The reason that he does this is so that we're able to have faith in him because when he makes a covenant, it's an unbreakable bond. And so, um, he proves his faithfulness all throughout the Bible through these covenants. And a lot of times uh, it'll talk about God remembered his covenant with Abraham or God remembered the covenant that he had with so-and-so's ancestors. And usually when this happens, it's because he would be helping somebody out of a tight spot uh, where they got themselves into trouble. And then God, it says God remembered the covenant that he had with them, so he helps them out of it. And this word remember is not like, he was kind of going about his day, and he was like, oh, yeah, I just remember that covenant, like you do with your homework where it's due the next day, and you're like laying in bed about to drift off to sleep, and then the thought pops up in your head, and you're like, oh, trigonometry, I got to do that. It's due at like 9 a.m., which was me all throughout college. But uh, the word remembered here is being in constant remembrance of, and I like to think of it as um, stubbing your toe. If you've ever stubbed your toe really, really good, and it hurts really, really bad, you don't need somebody to remind you and be like, remember when you stubbed your toe just now? It's something that you're constantly reminded of. You don't have to look down and see like your bloody bruised toe and be like, oh yeah, I smacked it on my bed. (laughs) That's crazy, I forgot about that. No, you're constantly being reminded of it. And that's how God is with covenant. He's in constant remembrance of the covenant that he made with us and the covenant that he made with his people. And that's how God operates. That's how God, he's very serious um, about covenant. And so to start off, I want to look a little bit at what covenant is, what covenant means, what the word means, um, and provide a little bit of historical background for us. Amen. You didn't say amen. I didn't hear it. So <clears throat> what is covenant? Covenant at, at its core is just like a really, it's a strong, unbreakable oath, stronger than just a promise, stronger than a pinky promise, stronger than Till it telling McBroom a secret, and McBroom's like, oh, I promise I won't tell anybody, but then he tells Foz later on. It's not that kind of promise. A covenant is an oath that you cannot ever break. It's an oath that would last for generations. It would last until you were dead, and then your children and your grandchildren were dead. It's something that would continue on even after you were alive. If you were in a covenant relationship with somebody, that person was closer to you than your own family. That person was, that meant more than being related by blood to somebody. It meant totally giving yourself to another person. And if we look at covenant, you see covenant in every primitive society that we know of. Um, And it's 
still practiced a lot today um, in some more tribal regions of the earth. Um, a lot of times covenant won't just be between two people, but it will be between uh, two tribes of people. Um, but so when Jesus is saying these things to his disciples, that sounds super weird to us, eat my flesh and drink my blood, this is the covenant, you know. They have a little bit more understanding because they lived in a time where covenant was a lot more um, in the forefront than it is today. You don't really see covenant just in America. Like, you don't run across it every day. You're not cutting blood covenant with people. Um, but the disciples knew what he was talking about, and so we need to understand what he's talking about to fully understand the significance. So I want to talk a little bit about the covenant process, what that would have been like um, when Jesus was talking about this and what he's um, getting at when he says this is a covenant. Um, <clears throat> so like I said, a covenant would a lot of times be between two groups of people. Um, oftentimes it would be two tribes of people, and covenant wasn't based on um, things that you have in common. It wasn't based on mutual interests. It was based on how well your strengths and weaknesses fit together, how well they complemented each other. Um, for example, if you had a tribe of uh, warriors who were really strong and really um, proficient in battle, <clears throat> but maybe weren't so great at growing food, they would maybe enter into a covenant with a tribe who was really agricultural and could really grow food, um, but couldn't defend themselves where, uh, very well. And so they would come together and they would say, uh, we're all hungry, you're all getting killed, we'll come into covenant, we'll protect you, um, and then you can help us out with food. So it was based on strength and weaknesses. And because of that, it was something that would not be entered into lightly. It would be discussed um, for a long time. You would s agree to an entire list of terms before you entered into a covenant. So you would agree on um, the promises of the covenant, basically. Um, in the Bible, it, with the covenant with God, a lot of times it's called the blessings and the curses. Essentially, here's what we'll do for you. Here's what you'll do for us. Um, here would be the punishment if you don't hold it up your end or if we don't hold up our end. Um, they would agree upon a length of time that the covenant would go. Uh, it was very common to um, have eight generations be the length of a covenant. So they are coming together and they're saying, for eight more generations, this is the covenant that we're going to have between our two tribes. Um, and it would be something that there's, n there's no back door, there's no way of getting out of it. Um, except for death. So you couldn't just decide you didn't like them anymore and back out. It's something that if you break the covenant, your own mother will literally kill you because that's how strong a covenant is. So they would decide on the terms of the, uh, of the arrangement. And then what they would do is they would have a covenant ceremony. They would choose representatives. They would say, this is the person that best represents our tribe. And... Um, they would pick a place where everyone could come together and watch uh, the covenant ceremony take place. Um, they would select an animal that they would sacrifice, and um, they would um, prepare the animal for sacrifice. And <coughs> excuse me, how they would do this is different than any other cut that they would make in an animal. They would split it. They would cut it right down the spine in half, and they would let the sides of the animal fall opposite of each other, and it would create this bloody um, walkway full of guts and entrails and blood. It was super gross. Um, so they would get all of this stuff ready for the ceremony. They'd sacrifice the animals. There'd be this bloody walkway. The two representatives would be down there. Everybody would be watching. 
And then the representatives, um, oftentimes there would be an exchange between them of gifts. You would take off your coat and you would give it to the other person, and that represented uh, your authority. That would be basically saying, like, all of the authority that I have, you now have. You would exchange your weapon. This would be saying, like, your enemies are my enemies. I'll defend you to the death. My strength is your strength. Um, so you would exchange some gifts, and then you would do uh, what <laughs> is called the walk of blood. So you walk down the middle of the two animals <laughs> and the guts and the, the intestines that are all laying out, and you'd be barefoot also. And you would walk down it, and uh, you, would <laughs> you would stop in the middle, and then that's where you would recite the oath of the covenant. And you were basically saying, if I break this covenant, go ahead and let me end up like this cow that we're standing in the middle of, foot down with my guts all over the place and everybody's standing in it. Um, it was a very, very uh, graphic ceremony. And it was that way for a reason because it was something that you would remember for the rest of your life. If you, you know, just sit down at a table and you make a promise to somebody, that's something you can forget. But if you're standing in a disembodied oxen and you're barefoot and the intestines are squishing in your toes and you're staring at this guy and you're smelling all the blood and everything, that's something that you're going to remember. That's something that would mark you. And that's why it was such an intense kind of grotesque ceremony because it was meant to mark you. So you would stand in the walkway of blood. You would make your promises. And then um, oftentimes what would happen is you would um, the representatives would cut themselves either on their hand or the wrist, and you would mix the blood together. Sometimes you would touch the wounds to each other. Sometimes uh, you would let the blood drip into a cup of wine. You would mix it together, and both parties would drink it. And that was representative of giving your life to somebody. Like, my blood, the thing that keeps me alive, my life force, like, I'm giving it to you right now. You're giving yours to me. Now we're of the same blood. We're, it's like we're family, right? So um, super intense ceremony. Oftentimes they would take ashes and they would rub it into the cut so that it would make a scar so they would, they would have a permanent reminder for the rest of their lives of the covenant. Amen? Amen. Are we having a good time so far? Everybody with me? <laughs> All right. Covenant ceremony. Um, and then... <laughs> At the end of everything, they would have a covenant meal. Uh, they would drink wine, um, again representing this is my lifeblood, this is your lifeblood. Um, they would break bread together and say, this is me offering myself unto you. So this was the covenant ceremony. Super disgusting. Not something I want any part of actually participating in today. Amen? But... Understand, this was more of a common thing back then. And so when Jesus is sitting at this table with his disciples and he says, this is my blood, take and drink it. This is my body, take and eat it. They recognized, okay, he's not a cannibal. He's just telling us that this is a covenant ceremony. And so they understood what they were entering into was something that was very powerful and very strong and not just um, another meal or not just another thing that Jesus was telling them, but that he was creating a covenant with them that would be um, as strong as if uh, the covenant ceremony had been performed. And it's not a coincidence that this was such a powerful, um, a powerful imagery that Jesus uses here because he going to the cross and dying on the cross was um, a, a, um, a way of performing the covenant ceremony with us in what we call the new covenant. Amen? All right, so 
you kind of understand what the covenant ceremony is um, and what it really entailed. And so what I want to do now is look at some covenants in the Bible that God um, cut with man. Um, there's uh, several, and like I said, God is a God that operates through covenant. And usually what you see is God having to create a new covenant because people screwed it up. Like he would create a covenant and then the people would just do their own thing and completely ruin it. And then he would be like, okay, well now we gotta have a new covenant. So here's this one. And then they would blow it again. And then he would continue uh, making covenants with people until we see, uh, get to the new covenant. So um, I'm just gonna kinda talk about a couple of these that we see in the Bible. And it really paints a picture of God's plan for us, uh, his plan and his love for humanity when we look at the covenants that he makes with us and the promises that he makes in those covenants. So we start, the first covenant that you see in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and it's the um, Edenic covenant. It was made with Adam and Eve um, when, he was, when they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, before the fall of man. And it shows us what God's original purpose and plan for the human race was. He has this fresh kind of slate with Adam and Eve, and he makes a covenant with them, and that's his perfect plan. As you may or may not be aware, Adam and Eve ruined it. They sinned, um, and so there had to be a revised covenant come in. So then you have the Adamic, Adamic covenant. Uh, you see this after the fall and the entrance of sin, um, and it shows God's judgment for that sin, but it also introduces um, God's plan for a Messiah coming to redeem the fall of man. So immediately after we blew it, God said, okay, we'll have a new covenant. There is punishment for what you did, but I already have a plan in place to fix this. After that, you see the Noahic covenant. Um, if you know the story of Noah and the ark, and he got all the animals on, and the whole world flooded, and everyone died except for who was on that boat. Um, after that, God made a new covenant with Noah, and it reestablished his purpose that was revealed in the Edenic covenant. After that, we see um, the Abrahamic covenant, Big surprise, it was a covenant that God made with Abraham. Um, and this was made with Abraham as the father of believers and as the father of the nation of Israel. So after, um, if you remember during the, um, what series was it? We talked about the Tower of Babel um, and the scattering of the nations. Um, so after that happened, the Abrahamic covenant comes into play and um basically involves the coming of Jesus and bringing all of the scattered nations into the kingdom of God eventually. Amen? Who can say all of the ones I've said so far without looking at notes? Well, that's okay. Did I what? Yeah, I can say it without my notes, but I'm not going to because it'll disrupt the whole thing. Uh, but I'll say it, I'll do it afterwards. I did it with Steve ahead of time. Anyway. So we have the Mosaic Covenant next, and this was a covenant that God made with Moses and the nation of Israel after their exodus from slavery in Egypt. Um, and this is, uh, this is one of the more prolific covenants of the Old Testament. It brought about all of the laws that we see, the Ten Commandments, and basically a guide for the nation of Israel in order to get them um, to the coming of Christ and to set uh, kind of a standard and a conduct for them to live. Um, we see the covenant that God made with David. Uh, when David 
after the death of King Saul, David becomes king over the nation of Israel. And this covenant uh, involved David's lineages, or lineage and uh, pointed to Jesus coming and bringing, uh, bringing an everlasting kingdom into the earth. Amen. And then finally, we have the new covenant. And this happened uh, with Jesus and the crucifixion. Um, this is the covenant that we're walking in today. It's the best covenant. It's the covenant that we get the most benefit from. Um, it came in to replace the, uh, the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant, or uh, what we call the covenant of the law, and to provide salvation and redemption from all of the curses that came with that covenant that God made with Moses. Um, there were a lot of blessings that came with that, and then there were a lot of curses um, if you didn't adhere to your part of the covenant, which we're all humans, so we don't. Um, but anyway, so Jesus comes and he brings in this new covenant. And next week, we're going to spend a lot more time um, talking about the new covenant, talking about what that means for us in our lives today. And um, But it's important to know that that is um, the best possible covenant that you could possibly bring in. And it brought everything full circle. And I'm going to read another um, scripture from Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31. <coughs> and starting in verse 31, it says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And this is, um, this is a, prophet, a prophetic view of the new covenant, the covenant that Jesus would bring. Um, and like I said, it brings everything full circle and brings us back into that um, perfect plan that God had when he established the Edenic covenant with Adam and Eve way back before the fall of man. And so um, all of these covenants that we see in the Bible are just like stepping stones to get humanity back to that perfect plan that God had for us. And so now that we're living in the new covenant, we're able to walk in that plan and we're able to have the benefits that God intended for us to have when he created us, which is good news. Um, like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But what I want to do really quickly is tell uh, give you guys a quick illustration, a quick story that I think um, explains this concept really well. And it's about um, an explorer named Henry Stanley. If you ever heard of Dr. Livingston and Stanley, that's who we're talking about. Caleb knows who I'm talking about. Um, Dr. Livingston uh, was an explorer as well, and he was in Africa, and then uh, he was kind of MIA for a little bit, and so Stanley's over there looking for him, right? And so they're... Um, having a rough time they're in unexplored territory they're running low on supplies they don't have all that much food left um stanley has a health issue where all he can <laughs> that's not funny all he can eat though <laughs> is his milk from this one goat that he has so they're all like in a pretty rough situation he can't eat anything except this goat's milk um and they're running low on supplies and provisions well they come in contact with this tribe and it was a very warlike, very powerful tribe. And they were really trying to come to some agreement with this tribe. They were trying to trade with them. They were trying to get help with food and provisions. And the tribe wasn't budging. And they were like, oh, man, we might just die out here. Um, 
But Stanley's interpreter suggested, why don't you cut a covenant uh, with the leader of this tribe? And Stanley didn't really understand what that means, um, but he got to a point where he didn't have any options left. And so what happened is um, they were going to cut a blood covenant with each other. And so they went back and forth uh, discussing the terms and everything. And then uh, when it came time for the ceremony, you know, each person, Stanley selected a representative from his camp and um, the tribe had a representative come. And when it got time for the exchange of gifts, uh, the leader of the tribe wanted Stanley's goat. And he was like, that's the <laughs> literally the only thing that I can eat is this goat milk. I can't give it up. I'll just die because I can't eat anything else. He had stomach problems or something. I don't know. Um, but the leader of the tribe was like, no, I want that goat. So he's like, okay, give him, <laughs> give him the goat or we're going to die anyway. And in exchange, the uh, leader of the tribe gave him a spear. He was like, awesome, that's the worst bargain. I got the short end of the stick. What am I going to go spear some goat milk? Um, so he has this spear, and he's like, okay, well, we pretty much just got taken advantage of uh, by this tribe, but we didn't really have any other choice. Um, so they go through with the covenant ceremony, and they mix the blood together, and they drink it out of the cup. And as soon as that happens, the leader of the tribe says, this is our brother. These are all our brothers. Trade with them. Give them provision. Give them food. So they're able to get, you know, what they need from this tribe. They're able to get supplies so that they can continue their journey. So they survived. And as they continued their journey, Stanley started noticing that wherever he went, if a tribe ever saw that spear, they would immediately bow down and give them whatever they wanted. Um, there was one time he was trying to get a goat from this tribe, and they just gave him a whole flock of goats. And what he didn't realize was that this tribe was so feared, and that the, the leader of this tribe was such a feared warrior that even having his spear and just showing that, people would be so afraid that they would do whatever they wanted because they recognized this guy's in covenant with that king, and if we do him wrong, then we're probably all going to get killed. And so it ended up being so much more beneficial for Stanley after cutting this covenant. He basically was receiving all the help he needed and all the supplies that he needed as he continued on with his journey. And that's a really good uh, illustration, I think, for the covenant that we have with God where he may ask us to give something up on our end of the covenant that seems important to us. But what he's giving us is so much better and so much more and is access to everything that we need as we're living our life that it ends up being such so far in our favor, it would be ridiculous for us to not step into that covenant with him. So I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, next week we're going to talk more about the new covenant and what that means, and it's going to be really fun. I'm very excited, but thank you guys for coming. Thanks for paying attention. We're going to go ahead and pray, and then we can go outside and make a movie. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for this opportunity that we had to come, hang out with our friends, fellowship, and sit under your word and learn about covenant. Father, we thank you for the covenant that you've provided for us. We're so grateful to be able to walk in this covenant that you've provided everything that we need, and we're excited to learn more about it.